0: I don't learn from people that agree with me. I learn from people who disagree with me. And I want debate. I want the conflict of ideas. And people say, well, Baker's too theoretical. Well, (laughs) theory is what keeps airplanes in the sky. There's nothing more practical than a good theory. The billable hour in the timesheet, guess what? That's a theory. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to attack that theory and tear it down, I better be able to take people to a new theory. I truly believe w- without a way to synthesize all of these facts and data that we have into a cohesive theory, there's no real knowledge being gained. You're just looking at data and data is by definition about the past. tells you squat about the future.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's so important for accountants to start understanding that too, because we've built our careers off of looking in the past.
0: May I have your attention, please? Greetings,
2: Accounting
1: High. This is Miss Sunshine subbing for your friendly front office lady, Miss Smiles. Scotty's in the principal's office, and while he was in there, he had an epic three hour conversation with Mr. Ron Baker. Now, this conversation was broken up into two episodes for your listening enjoyment. During our first episode, after putting on his tweed jacket and formally accepting the role of principal at Accounting High, Scott and Ron discuss the evolution of accounting, fitness goals, accounting communities, infinite games, storytelling, comedy, and the future of the profession, and a delightful performance of Simple Tasks, AppStream powered by Growth Lab from our wrapping custodian to break up the conversation. And as always, sit back, relax, and open your mind, because we're in the principal's office with Ron Baker.
0: May I have your attention, please? I repeat, may I have your attention, please? This is another public service announcement
2: brought to you in part by Accounting High. The views and events expressed here are of the next generation of accounting and tech professionals leading this space. The events and suggestions are not to be taken lightly. Children should not partake in the listening of this podcast. Anything else?
0: Yeah. So with that
2: ado,
1: Ron Baker and Scott Scarano. We're
2: going to have a problem here.
1: Class is in session. I've got the Ron Baker on. I'm in the principal's office. That's uh, that's what I'm going to call this. I was floored to have you on in January of 2022. That was like the dream of mine of doing this podcast. And I told you that on there. And to... End the year on December thirtieth, having you on again, dream of mine. So, wow.
0: well, thanks, Scott. I'm
1: honored to be back. I'm honored to have you.
0: I, so. I love that opening voice, by the way. That that's hysterical. It reminds me of Chu Chin Chong. Oh really? Teaching one of the movies, class, class, Good and talk, class. you know she's yelling. I love that. Yeah, it's hysterical. I didn't even intend for
1: that, but now I get
0: it and I see it too. It kind of sounds like her. It reminds me of her. In fact, I thought it was her when I first heard it, but no, it's somebody else. But I love it. I got it
1: from uh it's Eminem actually. Okay. And I I stitched together like. Four or five different things from Eminem albums early on because he he uses that kind of school theme. You know, may I have your attention, please? Right, right. The attention of the class, the star of our show. So all that stuff is. I'm just kind of weaving it all together.
0: That's um, awesome. That the, you know, Bueller. It reminds me of Bueller. Bueller for sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, Ben Stein. <laughs> <laughs> he, hey, I, used, I I read. I used to read him a lot. He he re- re- writes for. A, a, Magazine and anyway, he talked about just being out in public airports, restaurants. People come up to him, Bueller, Bueller.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, you get pigeonholed into stuff too. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, and speaking of pigeonholed, you know, you're always going to be pigeonholed into a time conversation. You know, you've been banging the same drum for over two decades. That must take a lot of persistence. That must take a lot of um, stamina to be talking about very similar things all the time with a lot of people. Tell me a little bit about that. Like,
0: yeah, it's, it's, it's been a heck of a ride. Uh, it's the Ron Baker full employment act, but <laughs> I, I can finally say that we, we are finally making progress. You know, I was just reading the, the, um, views of the top 100 people in accounting today. They ask questions. And one of the questions they asked everybody was, what's one thing you would change about the profession? And several of them, and it, it more than a handful, said that the, the billable hour model needs to die. It, you know, we are making progress. I, I can't say that the end of the billable hour in the timesheet is within reach, but it's definitely within sight. It's on the defensive. There's no you know, billable hour has no friends. You know, um, we're starting and- to approach
1: the middle of the change curve, right?
0: exactly we're in the we're in the early majority 34 percent you know 40 50 percent of the professions no longer using the pre- hourly billing predominantly to set prices more and more doing fixed and value pricing it, and and my new book time's up it's just going to kill it because it's going to make it irrelevant you know the best thing to do sometimes to to overcome a theory is replace it with a better one you know don't try and discredit the old one. Don't try and get people to change, just offer them something new and better. And I think that's what the subscription model does for us. It's been frustrating, Scott. I'll tell you, I can't believe in the year of our Lord, 2022, we are still debating timesheets. It blows my mind. It's unbelievable to me. It's a 103-year-old piece of technology, a system, and we've come up with better things. There's after-action reviews. My God, after-action reviews. If that's all firms implemented, they could get rid of their annual performance appraisal and they could get rid of their timesheets and they would actually improve the work of their, fu- Of you know, improve future performance of their talent because it actually improves the work. And this has been documented in the military. Every military in the world is after-action reviews nascar does after action reviews i mean uh, you know there's example after example of this working and i'm sure nasa does it too nasa does in fact (laughs) they uh, we had on one of the nasa space shuttle commanders he took three flights i think two as an astronaut one as a commander and he said their after action review when they landed after like a couple days break and medical exams their aar lasted 11 days they basically have video that they go through of the whole thing, like almost in real time and talk about what happened, what went right, what went wrong, what we learned, how could we do it better next time? 11 days. Well, it's all part of the process. Like, it, ha- I, and it has to be
1: too, for their continuity and for them to have a successful launch the next time, that absolutely. is absolutely necessary.
0: Now, yeah. And, I, I, and why isn't it the same in an accounting firm?
1: Exactly. And so, and that goes into like, you're, you're evolving, and, I love it how we're on the precipice of changing it and other people are starting to carry that torch for you. So you've moved on. Right. And you're, and I love the, where the evolution took you because it all makes sense. Like I, I can see your vision for the future of the profession and it's frustrating. I'm sure, you know, that's, that's kind of how we started, but now let's, let's get excited about what the future looks like. Cause the future is bright.
0: Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally optimistic about the future, very bullish. Um, you know, don't know how long this one's going to take. I hope it, I hope this goes faster in terms of diffusion than, than value pricing took. Value pricing took decades. Uh, but this one I think resonates with people more because it, it gets back to why we entered the profession. I think that's what's missing from this whole discussion is why did you become a CPA? And I've been asking architects and doctors and all sorts of different professionals that question. Sometimes you hear, oh, the money, oh, job security. Okay, but two-thirds or more of the time you hear to help people. Well, you can't help people if you have a thousand customers. I got news for you. There's just no way. Relationships don't scale. Now, that doesn't mean that businesses based on relationships can't be scaled. They can. But what it means is that each individual inside of a firm can only have a Dunbar number of customers. You know, if you know the Dunbar number, it's the number of people that c- we can really, yeah. um, you know, incorporate like into our existence. Enough people for two pi- two slice or two pizza pies. Uh, two two pizza pies. Yeah. In fact, it's a little bit more than that. It's, I think it's like seventy five or something. If you look at the literature, it's an anthropological reference. But those anyway, are big pizzas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know the pizza thing is Jeff Bezos. That was his idea of the ideal team size mm-hmm. was one that could have two or three pizzas. If it if it took more than that, the team was too big, and sure. it was going to become too bureaucratic. But we we just can't. Like I, I'll give you a concrete example of this, and because I was just talking to him yesterday, I called my eye doctor back in October to get an appointment because I needed a new prescription because my lenses were scratched. And you know, wearing glasses if yeah, you scratched lenses, it's a pain. There's no way to fix them. And and but he couldn't see me until January, like thirtieth. And, you know, this is October 1st. I'm calling him and I I pitched a bitch and she said, well, I can work in on the 29th. So I saw him yesterday. I read him the riot act. I said, doc, I love you. If you told me to play in traffic, I'd go play in traffic. I trust you. I, I think you're funny. You have a great way of explaining things, but you're too busy. Why don't I have a special lane? I can pay you monthly and I can cut in front of everybody else and get you when I need you. Because right now. You have become expendable to me because I need you. But if I can't get to you, what's the point? Yeah. What's the point? And he said, he apologized profusely. And I I wasn't trying to rag him too hard, but I said, you should set up a subscription model. (laughs) But the the point is nobody wants a professional to be that busy. And we accountants, we're that busy. And it's starting to interfere with the customer experience. We need to up our game. You know, my favorite question is, what would happen if Disney entered, uh, it ran CPA firms? Would would the experience be better for the customer? Would the prices be cheaper? No, no. They'd, they'd probably quadruple, maybe more. But it would be a better experience. And we, we just need to up our game. We we we've just been so lazy and so complacent about the customer experience, and yet everybody everybody's expectations is being driven by Amazon. One click. It's here the same day sometimes for me or the next day. That's amazing. Or, or our expectations are being risen by concierge doctors and direct primary but care doctors.
1: That's a better no. example. Amazon taking over for accounting firms than Disney because they actually, I mean, they're, Bezos has made investments in different platforms for True. our profession. And I think that's going to spark a lot of change too. I think that's going to force it,
0: you know, one reason I'm reluctant to use that ex- as an example because here's what I find fascinating about Amazon. I don't know about you, but I've never talked to anybody at Amazon. I don't have a personal relationship with anything. Never, anybody, ever, in, in, ever. I mean, I think I talked to a Kindle tech support person once about but, a problem, and but you, you don't have any relationships. None. Disney at least has relationships, and Apple
2: does too. Yes, I mean, they do. Apple's yeah,
0: Apple's
1: absolutely. got a lot of it. I mean, if I if I ever need support with Apple. I tap a button on my phone and I've got somebody on the phone pretty quickly and yeah. they're there to help in any way I need. They're never, yeah, I mean, so. You got yeah, the
0: genius that's... bar and, and yeah, they, and, and you know, they don't have commissions and they're trying to build lifelong relationships. So what I really like about the subscription model, not only is it get us back to our roots of why'd you enter the profession, but it also doesn't focus on the math of the moment. Talk about a profession that's very short term driven. I mean we 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 you know make fun of Wall Street for being too quarterly driven by the you know earning per share per quarter. Mm-hmm. CPA firms are driven by hourly. Hourly earnings per share. It's crazy. And this finally restores the fact that this is about relationships not transactions and we no longer have to worry about the math of the moment because we're looking at customer lifetime value. So the subscription model has a different revenue model. It's got a different profit formula. And, and you have to take both of those into account to truly understand it. I, I hear so much BS about the subscription model. I've heard people say, oh, my dad did subscriptions back in the 40s because you know, he, he is uh, customers paid him monthly. That's not the subscription model, folks. A subscription model demands, it insists, that you plus your offering, that you go to the market with an uncommon offering, and right now, all our offerings—cas, this, that, tax planning—it's all the same. We don't have well, any plus offerings out there.
1: The, what, the big difference in the way you're describing it and the way everybody frames it is is also the framing, because those older, you know, all they're doing is taking different types of products that they're selling. You argue against that. You're saying price the price the relationship. That's the subscription. That's what they're paying for, and everything else you do is almost independent of that and as a a product of that and as part of the relationship, but it reinforces it. And what they were doing is saying here, we do your tax return already. We price it this much. We do this. We're just going to split it up into 12 payments.
0: Right. And that's a, that's a payment method. That's a payment term. Yeah. yeah, It has nothing to do with the model. It's not a subscription. It's not a subscription at all. Yeah. And you're right. I, I, I have become really, really anti scope of services because that's not where our value lies our value lies in guiding transformations not piling up scope of services brick by brick by brick if you look at any three pricing tier the only thing that distinguishes them is scope of services everybody's worried about oh if this happens if that happens you know we have to go to the department of paperwork and get a change order no no just cut this and cut this out this isn't what the customer's paying for it's it's no better trading hours for dollars. It's no better trading fees for dollars. That's why our healthcare sucks, you know, and it's patient abuse because the battered patient syndrome, because doctors are paid not for what they do for you, but what they do to you because they're only paid when they do a service, an office visit, a diagnostic test, a procedure, blah, blah, blah. That's not what medicine's about. Medicine's not just about curing you when you're sick. It's about keeping you healthy. It requires more proactivity. And we're too focused on solving people's problems and turning that into a scope of work. And we're so much better than solving problems. I'm not saying problem solving isn't important. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. We should. We're great at it. But it can't be just problem solving because if all we're doing for customers is solving their problems, we're just reverting them back to the status quo. We're not advancing them. this profession can advance people. It can change their lives. It can transform them, can make them a new person. And we can do it over and over and over and over again from womb to tomb, from, you know, college planning when they're born to to estate planning when they're gone and everything in between. And we don't think of it that way. We don't message it that way because all we talk about is scope of works. Everybody is so paranoid about the scope of work. Knock it off. It doesn't matter do what the customer requires now this of course requires great strategy and great positioning because one of the things that I hear all the time Scott the biggest objection to this well I've got some clients that are 50 million dollars but our sweet spot is three to five million size business but what do I do with the two handfuls that are you know 50 million mm-hmm. and up because this, their work is much more demanding blah a lot more time blah 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 I'm like you, you pick do you want to be Morton's or do you want to be McDonald's you're trying to be, bo- you're trying to be a vegan house too, by the way, mm-hmm. because you're all over the board. You got to focus, people, focus. And if you focus, everything's on the rails, because you're only going to do what you're competent at doing, and outsource all the rest, or get specialists involved, or whatever. But this idea that we need to be everything to everybody uh, to make them happy—it's great. We're not tequila. You have to make choices. You have to focus. Tequila.
1: So, let's talk about, um, you mentioned Wall Street and, you know, Quarterly and looking back. Let's talk about Finite and Infinite Games because I just came out with that episode where we talked about Simon Sinek's and you said you have a different take on it. I'd be curious to hear what your take is or what what you disagreed with.
0: Well, you know, look, I like Simon Sinek. I I, I don't like his books. I mean, his books are way too long and redundant. That's, uh, what can, you, oh, that's what we said. That's what Twilight said too. Yeah. 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 You, and you can make the same charge about mine, probably. I don't know, but, um, I'll wait till you read it, all <laughs> of it. Um, but the thing that I find fascinating about, uh, Simon Sinek is he's very capable at putting very old wine into new bottles ah. and giving it uh, a fancy new adjective label, you know, infinite game. Um this this is nothing new. Capitalism has been win-win, win-win-win for centuries, going back to Adam Smith, going back to Aristotle, going back to St. Thomas Aquinas. We talked about the gains from trade, talked about a, a net positive game. I mean, the language wasn't as sexy as infinite game, but that and it just led me to believe, I you know, the five principles that he lays out, you know, the leadership, I can't remember them all, but Scott, those rivals. were so arbitrary Those, sure he could have picked five of anything to because he's mixing metaphors with that um so here's it, what he's it, doing yes he's
1: rhyming history just like you said he's taking he's taking concepts and making it more digestible for a next generation right so and, and we there's all nothing are. wrong we, with
0: that no we all yeah. are i'm doing that too i'm doing that too i just might be going back further than simon uh, but, well, you've um, got a you.
1: You really have a drum to be in something that you you have a you have a destination that you're going to. He's trying to change the world in broad sense. You're focused, so that I think that's a big difference because I read both of you guys, and I'm not going to say either one, but I think you actually have a mission that you're on, and he his mission he, he has a mission too. But I think um in a, in a ways you guys are very similar too.
0: Sure, I, I mean he did the same thing with start with why. I mean we were talking about purpose you know, long before it became fashionable or, you know, it, it hit the, uh, the nomenclature at sure. the time. But, um, it, it doesn't mean I don't like his ideas. I, I, I love some, I, I think infinite game is a great expression. Yeah. You know, um, I just, I, I, am tiring out of these you know, conscious capitalism, blah, blah. I mean, look, capitalism's been dynamic. It's been, it's, it's, it's lifted more people out of poverty. It's done more good for the world than any other system. Is it perfect? Of course not. But the point is it, it, it benefits everybody. That's the whole point. Capitalism turns luxuries into necessities. Well, and if you don't believe, you know, if you don't believe that, just look back and see, you know, people who died because they couldn't get antibiotics, you know, that we could cure with a drugstore run today. So anyway.
1: But what I love is the two of you use Apple and Disney a lot as examples because they're, and so I feel like, one thing I said about that book was it, it's almost like he took what Apple and Disney did, what Walt and Steve Jobs did as leaders and used them to create his new rhymes
0: and theories right like right right. and I do talk about Disney a lot in fact, I have a great story in the book and one of my chapters about you know how they how Disney went to the uh, current theme park yeah I, I, I read that that's that's yeah, the one I was a, 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 that's a phenomenal story I thought because it just it. What it demonstrates is all the experts told them it wouldn't work for a million different reasons, and the lesson is knowledge is about the past, but entrepreneurship is about the future. It's an existential
1: flex, is what Simon Sinek says. Absolutely,
0: it's it's (laughs) the crucial knowledge doesn't come from reading the book and and thinking about it and debating it and blah. The crucial knowledge comes from the leap into the unknown. Yeah, And that's where we get, that's where we get all the information and how to tweak this, the model. That's why I'm not concerned about trying to answer everybody's questions. You know, what about this? What about that? I don't care. (laughs) My my goal is to ask the right questions. Are you, does your business model align with why you entered this, this profession? Are you really, really having a deep meaningful impact on your customers or are you just doing services, piling them up brick by brick? Um, Those are the questions that are relevant. And if you answer those in the affirmative, then that leads you to this model. Now, how a firm implements it and how it tweaks it, that's going to be glorious to see. I can't wait, but we don't have to have all the answers. The answers come from the leap, not the look.
1: Glorious. I love that. So this is accounting high. I framed everything with sons of CPAs evolved. It's not like that died out. It's just We graduated middle school and now you still do that podcast too so it's the same podcast basically i've just we've just restructured it i do solo episodes with ackerman now so i don't need a co-host anymore i needed that as like my training wheels to just get figure out my voice and everything and now i can do one-on-ones with him because he's he's great too he's a big follower of yours shout out to ackerman and now this is this is more of like i have a founding faculty and Mm -hmm. i'm setting the stage here for this whole it's almost like rhyming with Veristage Institute. So the way that you have other fellows or members there and things like that, I feel like, and I didn't realize I was doing that until toward like, as I was reading your book, I was like, Oh wow, this is similar. This is similar. I was going to approach you to see if you wanted to be the principal of accounting high, since you were like a piece of furniture in this industry, you've been around for 40 plus years.
0: That's scary. I I need a
1: principal, (laughs) but you're well regarded, well respected and revered. And, and, You know, sometimes, sometimes people don't agree, but I think that nobody can deny your passion and purpose have early on intersected and you know why you're here. You know what you're, what you've been put on this earth to do.
0: Boy, does that mean I can paddle people who continue to insist on the timesheet? Whatever you want, you're the principal,
1: whatever you want to do, (laughs) you can, you can define this role too. I mean, I, I've got, I got a set of founding faculty and they all and they actually gave me questions to ask you too. So as, as, as we go through, I'm going to start okay. snipping the questions in here. You know, some of the faculty too, already okay. Blake Oliver, he wrote the intro oh, to yep. your book. Sure. And I, I'll just, I'll just name, name some as I'm, as I'm reading the questions. But uh, yeah, so we also okay, going yes, to, I,
0: I will accept your appointment of, I've never been a principal, but I'd be honored. Oh,
1: wow. I'm speechless right now for that. So as the principal, um, you can help define the curriculum. And you've already been doing that anyway. We do debate teams too. So I was thinking the next debate I have, I'm going to have paired you with somebody and you will debate them on time and finally put the nail in that coffin, like you said. So maybe Ed Mendelowitz or somebody comes on and we have a debate. I got a moderator set up and we we, we just do that and put the final nail in it and end it. Um, right there
0: yeah i wish that was that easy but uh, yeah i yeah, know, I, I know. I, i've gone back is. and forth with ed on the i mean yeah he's yeah it's great though wait i mean he, would, he is he is he's 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 in, talk about an institution yeah uh, for piece uh, of yeah. furniture
1: he's the curtains yeah. too he's the carpet yeah. and the curtains
0: yeah yep
1: got some good stories <sighs> lorland wilson she wanted me to mention the word value billing and watch you explode oh my god that's a terrible term <laughs> i know she knows i know that that was just um
0: billing's done in arrears pricing's done in advance
1: stop it i just wanted to end that terrible term blake had blake had a throwaway question um is barry um what's it milan melanson is he doing a good job or a great job
0: you know i just i just saw barry in austin at the digital cpa I really like Barry. When he came in, he launched, I don't know if you're going to remember this, Scott. You'd have to read some history. Uh, He launched what was called the Cognitor Project, and it was to turn CPAs into Cognitor. Nobody liked the term. We at Verisage loved it. I defended it everywhere. I wrote posts and articles in Accounting Today. I never got more hate mail in my life defending the Cognitor Initiative. They won't even say that word anymore, by the way. C-O-G-N-I-T-O-R, and I forget what it means. It means it means like knowledge expert or something. I, we thought it was a great term. It's got some type of Latin root. I, I forget what it meant, but um, we were big defenders. This was like 97, 98, somewhere in there, and I've always admired Barry for that because he really tried to come in and do something. Now, he, he He took a lot of bullet holes for that. You know, as a, Barry, I think, has a very expansive worldview of the profession. I mean, we've had a we had a great conversation at dinner about what's going on in accounting around the world, Dubai, the Middle East, uh, China, India. You know, he's he's got a very expansive bird's nest to watch everything. And, I yeah, I think he's been good. I think he's been good. But, see, I don't look to the ICP for much. <laughs> they're, they're a fraternity, you know. A fraternity. Um, you get, they're just, you know, so you can get cheaper insurance. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't put a lot of stock in, in what they say. Uh, and I don't look to them to help the profession. That's up to us as the leaders in the profession to help ourselves. Sure, the ICPA can do some branding. and But, of course, you look at Would the you, branding they've so done. Here's, I, this is
1: interesting. Would you say that these membership orgs are subscriptions? Is the AICPA, are they on the subscription
2: model?
0: Yes, they are on the subscription model. Absolutely. Yeah. So is your state society. Fraternities. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Anything with recurring dues, you know, recurring value. Uh, the, the the acid test is really simple for subscription. Do your customers know they subscribe? You and I know we're prime subscribers. We know we're Hulu and and. Netflix subscribers and Disney Plus subscribers. We know we can cancel at any time. Do we know we subscribe to our accounting firm? If the customer answers no, then you don't have a subscription model.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like it. Another another throwaway question there, Laurelin and Blake. I, I don't know why they asked me to ask you this. Pancakes or waffles? Oh boy, I like them both. Um, it's what I was. I, I, you know it, what? I was. I was. I was I said he's going to say both. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was. Yeah,
0: I, I like them both.
1: I like that. I like that. This, this isn't a debate. This is just food. Blake said pizza or calzone. Again, it's like depends on the time of day, <laughs> or <it> depends <laughs> right, on
0: your right. mood, right? Right. I would say pizza more than calzone. Yeah. a little yeah. less heavy. Yeah, yeah. calzone is Berk- a little Brooklyn style, not Chicago. That ain't pizza. That's a pie. Thin. I like it thin. I
1: get. I get it. I was just in New York. Um, and yeah. then Twyla Verhelst flipped it around and said what are some of your fitness goals for 2023 wow to walk more all right all right so how often do you go out and walk or do you do you track steps what do you not
0: you you know i find exercise really boring um me too uh, i just do and so i don't do all i don't do enough of it so
1: i live outside and i walk so everything i do now is like i put my headphones on and i just go out now I also get high a lot too since the accounting high. So at, after 420, that's like my little reward. I go out right. on a walk and then puff a little bit and then I get, get in my zone. So it's more like I, I you know, I, I feed it with that. So I look forward to it. Right. It's that's exciting awesome. to yeah. me, but yeah. I love, and I could, I could go out during the day too. I don't even need to get high cause I love being outside in the sun. It's hard for me in the winter because I can't walk as much, but I I get at least 12,000 steps a day just wow. as a byproduct of that. Like my that's commute, awesome. my commute is leaving through the front door and then coming in through the back door, but I have a walk, you know, a long walk there because there is no commute anymore. So I had to create awesome. that. It's a way to listen to podcasts and stuff too. So um, sure, sure. maybe that's something that you can try to create that habit and um, get into that. Cause I think you'll, you, I mean, you, you like to free your mind and you need that empty and open space and being outside. Sometimes, you know, if the phone, if I don't even have my phone, it's even better. Cause I could just right, connect right. to my watch, music's on my headphones, I'm free. Right. Like no distractions, no interruptions. That's when
0: you can really think and create. I Driving does that for me. I'm sure. So on drives, but, um, but you're, really not your you're
1: not yeah, moving your feet. You're not moving. exactly. Yeah, exactly. So you're getting, you're getting two things. There. We
0: need a Peloton car or something. I don't know,
1: but Ooh, that's another subscription that I've subscribed <laughs> to this year. Such a great subscription. That's a plus right there. That's something that like, again, we're talking about fitness, right? I it was, I had, um, was, uh, James Ashford on, middle Hmm. of the year at some point i just released the episode the other day and he was talking about what peloton means and it's that support group and the people surrounding surround and and that's what we have like there's a group of us that all have peloton all across the country all accountants all across the country and we're we have a little iMessage group iMessage too is another genius apple move but Hmm. we're we get a little iMessage group and we all pushing pushing each other to do group workouts and stuff and it's like we're all subscribers we're all members and it's that little fraternity or that little group and that tribe those communities that spark from those subscriptions completely independent of peloton but part of it right like and people raising each other up and like in, in encouraging each other so it's like it's the hybrid of the subscription and community together too and i think that's communities too it. accounting sure. communities right so yep. what do you think of that movement here because I'm sure there were like ASCPA has always been around. There's always been membership organizations, but what Ryan Lazanis is doing, what Jason Stats is doing, what I'm going to eventually do with Accounting High, what Jason Blummer does, and all of these others, Accounting Salon. So the ones I I can always name because this is that next generation of like you know realize future firm, Thrival, Accounting Salon, and eventually Accounting High, right? Like, what do you think of all these communities too in I accounting?
0: It. I love it. I, I i a huge supporter. I mean this. You can go back to Paul Dunn and Rick Payne, who did the Accountant's Boot Camp. They started it in Australia, they brought it to America, expanded it in, into Europe and Canada. I forget how many boot camps they did, but I mean it was a four-day program that changed people's lives. Mark I mean, Wickersham
1: talked about that. That changed it, yeah, his life for it, sure.
0: It, it changed mine because, um, of course, I met Paul Dunn and Rick Payne, and yeah, you know that just that took me down a completely different road. And they're they're the ones that really promoted my my first book and put it on the map around the world why the book sold 40,000 copies and it was a $150 book. Um, but, uh, I, I love community. I, I love the idea of thinking that we are not competitors, that we are cooperators and we should cooperate more and we should help each other more. The medical community does a really good job at that. We tend to view each other as competitors. I've always hated that attitude. That's a, talk about a zero sum, sure. Finite attitude. That's it. We used to do a program called a sole proprietor retreat because we figured out early on that sole proprietors didn't have partnership retreats because they didn't have partners. So we'd bring them in. We'd bring seven of them in, maximum seven people, do a two-day program, and we held a retreat. And they kind of held each other accountable, and they made friends, and they helped each other. And it was Maybe some partnerships
1: formed after that, too.
0: I, I think a couple did, actually. At least succession agreements did. Like if somebody got injured, you know, or or, or just disabled, I mean, everybody should have a succession agreement. We're all stronger Uh, together. But yeah, especially a sole proprietor needs that really bad. Um, And and that was a great program. And we even thought of, well, you guys, you know, there's a lot of redundancy in sole props. You could share team members, you could share back in the day, tax libraries. This was before the internet, obviously. But, um, you know, there's a lot of things we could share and and not just to reduce overhead but just to just to share and and use more capacity um and and so yeah i've always been a big believer so i love watching what you guys are doing i i, I think what jason does is phenomenal i think what ryan does is phenomenal yeah I, I you know i that was not my version of verisage my version of verisage is i wanted proselytizers i wanted people what's who that mean could it, it, you could go out there and and move the world with these ideas it was all idea based it was a think tank model it wasn't a community-based model it was a think tank model which means we bring in really smart people it doesn't get much smarter than ed class it doesn't get much smarter than tim williams and some of the other fellows that we have um and it just let them go out and change the world in their own sphere of influence well and i love that high is
1: going to be a hybrid of that I would love to have the think tank and the community.
0: And the community and and the thing was Scott I didn't want to start a consulting firm because that would tie us economically to one another and I didn't want that because that creates a lot of friction and a lot of tension you know when you when you're when you're financially bound with other people I didn't want another partner. I didn't want to be involved in another partnership. And so being able to start a think tank and and you know designating people as fellows means I got to work with them. Yeah, but I didn't have to have economic ties to him. And I always say this and people are kind of shocked when I say this, or at least maybe don't believe it. But I said I could fly anywhere in the world and hook up with one of my fellows and teach a five day course. And we wouldn't have to do any rehearsal. We wouldn't have to do any. We would just be able to go out there and do it because we've done it multiple times. And it because we are synced on the ideas and ideals even though politically we may be at war with one another i mean i've got lefties in verisage i've got you know libertarians in Verisage, i've got conservatives in Verisage, age and everything yeah, in between but you have to it doesn't matter it doesn't matter we're You're all unified. united yeah. we're united on the perils of the business model you know the we sell time business model and, and everything that entails and that's a, that's another glorious thing i mean um so yeah i love to see the flourishing and the effervescence that comes from these communities. I think it's wonderful that we're helping each other more.
1: Yeah, I think in a way you just described what this is turning into too. Instead of going across the country, I just have people come on once a quarter and we continue with these lessons and conversations on the podcast to try to get maximum exposure, maximum reach, democratize it almost or make it decentralized. And anybody can learn from it. Anybody can pick it up. Sure. Enough about that. You know, the, the imagination gap is too big on some of these ideas. I've got to trim it down. So, <laughs> no, but that's great. Yeah. So, um, let's see. Blake is curious to learn more about Ron personally. Talk about yourself. So, give me a personal. It tends to be you're always using other people as the examples and bringing their stories in. I don't hear a lot of your stories either. So he does have a point.
0: I don't like to talk about myself. I don't like to, I like to focus on the ideas and you know, talking about myself bores me. I mean, I, I find, I find others interesting people like Walt Disney and Steve jobs and all the other people that we write about, talk about just doesn't interest me to talk about myself.
1: Malcolm Gladwell said the same thing. Some somewhat recently, I think, or whatever I, I heard recently, he. I know
0: you're supposed to be authentic and you know, bare your soul. But that is that, that
1: is authentic for you to it, say that. It, that's authentic
0: it, because it, it's true. It is true. I just, I, it just, it's totally. It's like listening to a bad podcast. I, I turn it off in a heartbeat because it was just boring me, and that's what I feel like because it's not authentic.
1: You can you can smell yeah. that from a mile away when somebody's yeah. not putting their whole self out there. Right. Um, Right. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to get there through some of these questions. I don't really have too many more questions. I just, I just like having the conversation too. So, you know, a lot of this is the theme is, you know, the next generation and continuing that conversation. But let's talk about the difference between that whole competitive mindset and the way everybody, you know, I think more and more, this is because things are not localized. And you talk about this in the book, how, when you go, niche and you get focused as a firm your clients are everywhere and you're not competing with other firms locally as much as you were and that was the reason these communities you didn't have these because in one small town you had x number of cpa firms and x number of potential clients if they were all friends then they'd be you know they, they, i don't know there's was, there was just reason for them not to be right um, right because together. they viewed
0: themselves as Competitors more yeah. than anything, and they were yeah. they
1: were feeding off. The, it was the same pond that they were all yeah. fishing out of, yep. and everybody had to get the bigger bigger fishing pole or d- different equipment, all that. So now everything is more geographically expanded. Everybody's connected. Everybody's rising with each other. So I, I don't know. I just wanted to kind of talk about that more, and then and the difference between you know these generational gaps. I think that it's so hard to get out of a generational mindset. If that's what you knew your whole life too,
0: even even pre-internet, even pre-internet, I still thought of ourselves as cooperators, not competitors. So I'm not so I'm not so sure it's it's an it's a generational thing. One of my pet peeves is I really don't like to split people up into generations. I know we do it. I know it's simple, but that's what bugs me about it because humans are greater. We contain multitudes we're bigger than the year we were born in I call it generational astrology I think it's BS to make all these distinctions I wanted the same thing that young people want today I wanted immediate feedback I wanted to know I was doing something bigger than just you know tying out cash I wanted to know what what the purpose was I wanted to know you know what was gonna happen into the future I mean I, I don't see a big difference in generations but that said when you look at specialization across professions, doctors did it first. They were the first to recognize it, that you just couldn't, you couldn't be everything to everybody. And so there was specialties and they started to do it in the 40s. Lawyers started to do it in the 50s. We didn't really start to do it until I, about the time I entered the profession, which was 80, you know, 84, maybe a little bit before then. And now, of course, we have incredible specialization. Just look at the you know, people's business cards with the number of acronyms after their name, right? I mean, my buddy Dan has more acronyms and I don't even know what they mean, but but they're very meaningful to the people who do know. And so I, what I like about focus, and in, and in, in this goes back to strategy and positioning, which is a topic that my colleague Tim Williams, who's in the advertising space, writes quite eloquently about, one of the best strategic minds I've ever run across. And just by focusing you, you get, you get more interesting customers, you get a wider geographical target, you, you add more value. So you're you have more pricing power, but you know, the example I always give is if I was looking for a DPC doc, I'd, you know, go I'd Google my, my area code or my zip code. But if I was looking for an oncologist in the type of cancer I was diagnosed, I'd fly to Rochester, Minnesota to the, you know, Mayo clinic in a heartbeat or the Sloan Kettering in New York, wherever. Wherever that specialist was, it just it it expands the geography tremendously, and it also, you know, you're swimming, you're 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 a big fish in a small pond. Yeah, your markets may be smaller because you're focused more, but don't confuse focus and being narrow with being small. I give you Starbucks.
1: So, allow me to empathize with the generationals, and I'm going to use that because it's. It's true. You got somebody in their 60s that grew 60s or 70s. You know, they built a firm locally. They didn't have the opportunity to market to ac- across the nation. Right. D- they couldn't. You know, they spent, right. they spent their whole life building their firm, doing it the way they, pos- they could. And now they have people telling them they have to change what they're doing, why they're doing it, how they're doing it. And they're basically on the runway to they're close to the finish line almost right. with their career, with their life, their, their firm. Uh, it's, it's very hard to pivot what you've built. You know, they, they maybe have a staff of eight people and they're happy, they're making money and everything's working. But they lived in that generation where their mindset kind of was, my other accountants in the area are competitors. Mm-hmm. And I can't, you know, market to somebody in California if I'm in Philadelphia because geographically, that just doesn't work. You're not gonna do everything over the phone, because, you know, you... so in that in that sense, I think that it is almost a lost cause for a lot of these firms, a, a large majority of them that are on their way out the door, but how do they bridge that to make their firm, you know, I, at least how do they bridge it? What do, what do you propose for somebody like that, that, you know, maybe maybe they do need to change for the next generation to take over But they have a well-established machine that's providing them the means of you know they've they've created a little world for themselves right what do you propose for them
0: yeah you know what i don't propose anything for them some some physicist i forget who it was said you know science progresses funeral by funeral Um, (laughs) and you know that's a very cynical view of mankind because some of the people that have transformed the quickest and fastest, at least from hourly billing to value pricing, have been people past 60. Sure. And so I, I don't look at age as the I, I look at the thinking and the attitude that people have with regard to the future versus the past mm-hmm. and the dynamism and the conflict within that that worldview. Are we going to let the the future unfold and or are we going to just try and hold on to the past? I I I I go for the I go for the the early adapters. No matter what their age, I go sure. for people like you and Jason and Ryan, that that's my target. I don't care what the majority of the profession we will never change the big four. My God, the big four, they talk a great game. They have all these initiatives, you know, DEI, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. But they refuse. They absolutely refuse to do anything about their business model. You're still forcing people to track every six minutes of their day. Like they're in prison. They're still treating, you know. These incredibly smart knowledge workers, like their children, Um, well, they're contributing it, to the dying of the profession. They I are. mean, they're contributing they to they're, people and exodus, eating, and they're eating our young. They're yeah, eating our young because they're putting them through this. Mil- they can talk all they want about work li- life. Work life balance is bullshit. I've never known anybody who's changed the world who had work life balance. It's bull. Uh, it, it, it. It's not about that. It's about having a portfolio. Of work that you're proud of, that makes an impact, that makes a difference, and that, of course, goes back to why we entered the profession. So, I've never been concerned about how do I change somebody who's looking at retirement in five years. Um, you know, it, here, here's the here's the bottom line. And this is just a demographic truth: the youth are right. The youth are always right because mm-hmm. they have time on their side. There, mm. it's it's people like you. And Jason and others that are going to change the profession, irrespective of what the old people do. Now, that doesn't mean that old people can't change and they can't develop a new crop of leaders that are younger or whatever. But, but if their time refuse, is up. <laughs> but their yeah, their time is up. I mean, it is. And, it, you know, my time's up. I've got a finite. So I have to. The, the mark of a leader is what kind of leaders did they create? That's all well, that matters. At, well, the so end the, at the end of the day, we're all under the ground. And there's not a d- thing you can do. None of the knowledge that you had matters. What's your legacy going to be? And I hope it's creating people that, that can think and can innovate and create and that dare, that have a daring about them and that they're willing to take a risk. Courage. And, uh, yeah, courage. I love, I, I love Amazon's uh, Blue Origin. I forget his motto, um, into the future ferociously. He's, that's <laughs> his, that's the motto of Blue Origin. That's it's in cool. the book somewhere. It's a very cool Latin phrase, but that's what we need more of. You know, we have, we, our vision in, and I'm talking about the leaders of the profession is so d- small and banal, When we want to increase, you know, our, our turnover by 10%. We want to increase realization by 3.4%. You know, Screw that. You know, Martin Luther King didn't stand up on the steps and say, I have quarterly objectives. He said, I have a dream. What's our dream? To, to 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 continue to do timesheets, to continue to trade services for dollars or hours for dollars? I, this is nuts. This is absolutely nuts. That's not what we're about. It's not what we should be about. It's just not who we are. It's not why I entered this profession. You entered the profession to help people. Well, then you should help them. And you should stop worrying about all the things that we worry about and get caught up on scope of work and how much time is this taking and blah, blah, blah. It's all about the relationship. Life is just relationships. The rest is just commentary, you know, because when you're on your deathbed, you're going to be surrounded by people who love you. And it's those relationships that matter. So I, I just, we need to get back to our roots. That's all.
1: You're playing the infinite game. You're doing this for the profession. You know, when you say you have finite, you said your time is almost up, but you're creating a. Disciples, you know, you're well. Now, you're, you're, you're the product of this. Is there are people that are going to continue to carry this torch and continue long after you? And I think that's the whole thing that Steinman is postulating is no. doing something for generations to come, for beyond you, after you're well and gone,
0: Do, doing something bigger than yourself. Um, but the, yeah, it, it, and and look, I, it, this is another. We could, we could do a whole show on this because it's a book that I just absolutely love by Charles Murray called, um, oh geez, what the hell's the name of the book, um, Human Accomplishment. And Charles Murray went back to like 800 BC and he went forward to 1950 and he said, okay, who were the main players that had a big impact in like music, mathematics, literature, invention? There were other fields, physics, science, medicine and scott you wouldn't believe it now think of this time period 800 bc to 1950 and murray's one of these guys he's a social scientist he's brilliant but he loves data and he loves to analyze numbers and do regressions and all this kind of stuff but it's basically four thousand and two people that we basically pretty much owe everything to now i know that sounds very elitism and you know but if you think about the, the great leaps forward in human civilization, I'm talking like Einstein leaps mm-hmm. or like germ theory in medicine. I'm talking about major progression forward. We stand on the shoulders of 4,002 people. Now, he hasn't updated the study past 1950, but I bet if he did, he, he might find You're gonna it gonna like add another two or three or people, two. people, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, you can, just be, you can say, well, yeah, but okay, 27 people were working on the light bulb. At the same time Edison was. And if Edison had been hit by a truck, the light bulb, we would have got the light bulb anyway. And that's probably true. Okay. So, so multiply the number by 10. There's still a very small group of people that can, that can really create massive change. Now, no, we're talking massive change. That's why you called it human accomplishment. I don't, I don't view my work on that scale. But what I've tried to do is say, can I make a change in in this sphere of influence, or at least in this profession, maybe a couple of others, but because I'm a CPA, I, I live here. And, uh, you know, I've always tried to keep that in mind because it, I'm not creating any of this. I'm standing on the shoulders of immense giants, people like Walt Disney and Apple and, and others, and, and economists who have taught me so much, um, but just a different way of looking at the world and being willing to unlearn. Being willing to unlearn and, and actually going through the process of unlearning is very difficult. I, I had to unlearn tenants of value pricing. Ed Kless, my co-host on the Soul of Enterprise, he, he, spent a career, he built a career doing project management. Ed was the go-to guy in project management. He knew everything about it. He was PMI certified, blah, blah, blah. And now he completely refutes it because of subscription. That's not an easy thing to do, to give up a world view. It's not, it's not easy at all, but it's required. I I, I think it's required, but only a small percentage of people are going to do it and then be able to effectively communicate it and proselytize it to everybody else. I I think that's what Simon is, is, is really good at. Yeah.
1: So what else is not really easy is, and we've still been talking about this, but I feel bad for you because you have come up against so much dissent and contention and you always have to back your ideas like so hard. And it's turned you into like, you almost expect to have to put your back against the wall and defend your points. And you're like, you're going to be the Jesus Christ. That's going to die on that cross at the end. And eventually everybody's going to see it afterwards. Right. And you're the first one. You're one of the first ones that has been very, very vocal About this change that's going to happen that needs to happen and it's just a sad story for for you I mean I feel I feel bad that that's how you have to live that because some other people can come into this now and continue to carry that torch and they're not going to come up against all this dissent you know there's there's a lot of money behind the the reason why people are do want to argue with this because they're protecting their worldview they're protecting their way of life and what they've built so you you have a lot of opposition big four that's huge that's the you know that's the goliath right yep. you're the david yep. in this scenario maybe not the jesus either you're the david um i'm going to keep getting biblical here and I'm, I'm not a religious person it. but so
0: you know uh, it, you know don't don't feel sorry for me I, this has been I'm a weeping. hell of a ride i wouldn't i wouldn't if i had to go back and do it all over again i would in a heartbeat it, yeah, it's been contentious. I've created some of that contention. I, you know, if you would have seen me in earlier days, yeah, yelled at people, you know, did all sorts of, you know, uh, crazy things to get people's attention, but I wasn't going after everybody. I just wanted that 10%, just wanted that, you know, that tipping point, that 17% or whatever it is in the tipping point. If I could get to them, that's what mattered and Yeah. The pioneers take the arrows. I got lots of arrows on my back and I still get people that argue with me and they're, they're all ages. I've had some of my most contentious arguments with people in their twenties. It's like, how can you, how can you be so attached to this? you just entered this profession. Well, because you need to, you need this for this reason and that. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, and you just want to tell them, Hey, go read a book. You know, you're not going to get to everybody. You're just not. And so I don't try. That's good, but it's been a hell of a ride, though. I mean, I've traveled the world, I've met a lot of interesting people, and a lot of people do support this, and that's what that's what gives me the juice to keep going. The juice. People like Blake Oliver, yeah. And you know, when I asked him to write the foreword, he said he was honored, and I thought that was really cool, and he, and he did a great job.
1: I, but, I remember this summer he, he told me about it. This summer, and, and, and you know, he he was I was I was shocked too, and I, I thought that was amazing. That you've got him doing the forward because that's the next generation. It and is that,
0: that and was my logic.
1: I love it. I, I, and, and what he's doing is changing the world too. Yep. With earmark and, and he's just following the lead, but he's also he he has that contention about him too. He's going up against that Goliath. He's out to, you know, bury the way things are done at these larger big four at, at these firms. So it's like he's carrying that torch too. Absolutely. He's contentious.
0: He's willing to speak his mind. Absolutely, and I like that. I I don't learn from people that agree with me. I learn from people who disagree with me, and I want debate. I want the conflict of ideas. We're, we, you know, this is one of the things we said at Verisage. We are in we are in the battle. We are in the arena of ideas. That's where we battle. These, you know, because only an idea can replace an idea. If I'm going to replace the timesheet, I got to replace it to something. Only a theory can replace a theory. And people say, "Well, Baker's too theoretical." Well. Theory is what's uh, keeping this building around me from collapsing. Theory is what keeps airplanes in the sky. There's nothing more practical than a good theory. And if and the billable hour in the timesheet, guess what? That's a theory. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to attack that theory and tear it down, I better be able to take people to a new theory. And that's why we spend so much time talking about theory. I truly believe without theory, there's no learning. You might as well read the phone book. Because without a way to synthesize all of these facts and data that we have into a a cohesive theory of, you know, if X, then Y, then you're not really learning anything. There's no real knowledge being gained. You're just looking at data. And data is by definition about the past. Tells you squat about the future. Mm -hmm.
1: And it's so important for accountants to start understanding that, too, because we've built our careers off of looking in the past, a lot of us. We're, you know, we're,
0: uh, we're, we're, historians with crappy memories,
1: historians with crappy memories, right? And it's going to take a lot for mindsets to really shift. It's going to take some, some really big things for some people and for others. It's just time too. Yep. you know,
0: it's got, And it's going to happen at the smaller firm. The revolutions always happen from the bottom up. It's all the smaller firms out there that are going to change. And, and, and it's if, happening. It's already happening. And they're, and they're giving talent. They're giving talent. You know, when I was in college, the the goal was a big eight or nothing. I mean, yeah, some people went into regional firms or whatever, but the goal was big eight for the the Mm -hmm. top 50% of the class. That was it. That's what we were working for. And now I think, yeah, I'd probably join a six-person firm or something Mm -hmm. if I didn't have to do timesheets and they were value pricing or they were on subscription. And the work was more interesting and I was guiding transformations rather than just doing tax returns. And that's, it's, we're going to give talent and, uh, an alternative. Yeah. And that's Well, cool. that's
1: that's what I've built is, you know, i uh, very happy. It's, it's less than 10 people now. I'm not looking to grow top line at all. Right. I'm looking to keep everybody happy and to continue to iterate and continue to, I need to make the change slower though. I was always one to go head first into the change. First time. I saw you speak, and and I heard about you know value pricing versus because we've always had a fixed fee, and to adjust that and change my mindset around fixed fee versus value price pricing the client, and and I've been diving headfirst into that, and it and it caused people to, I mean people with, left the firm. I've had people leave and then come back too, and now I think everybody's in a great place because I've slowed down the change too. Mm. I needed to get out of the firm in order to understand what I was doing inside of the firm too. And it took the the podcast and talking to people, having these conversations for me to really understand what I was doing and my impact that I was having when I was inside of it too. So, and it's hard for people to get out of the firm. It took me two years just to finally take myself out of sales. Like that was the last step Mm. was getting out of sales and creating a process for that. That's, you know, and, and having a management team and putting that in place. So there's a lot of steps for somebody to get to the point where they can really effectively change their firm because they got to be out of it to change
0: it. Right No, It's so true. A change is so difficult and you can't do too much of it at once. Mm -mm. That's why we talk about, yeah, that's why we talk about transforming clients or customers. You know, you can't do that more than a few times in a year. First off, the customer has to want to transform. You know, they want to have to become somebody new, and that's not always an easy thing. Yeah, we can only handle so much change, that's for sure.
1: So we're we're at the point now, and I didn't want to make this about me, but it's so perfect the way I'm reading your book and what has just recently happened. So I've been out of the firm and I haven't really paid much attention to anything in the past year. I've maybe worked a total of two hours a week, three hours a week at the firm, and that's just meeting with my management team. But I need to get back in there and I need to have some kind of purpose there too, outside of mm-hmm. just this accounting high stuff because they kind of reinforce each other. And independent of reading this book, I, I said to my management, I, you know, I said to my ops manager, I said, I'm gonna survey all of our clients and ask them what they want in the future for themselves, for their business, for themselves. Get these survey results out of our 105 clients and then try to trim that down to maybe 10 to 15 to 20 that we can really impact and really change. I wanna have calls with them once a month until we can make that change. And we're gonna charge them a lot for this. And then my ops manager is like, all the reasons why we can't do it. And I said, I don't care. We're gonna ask these questions and I'm gonna help them change their future. We're gonna charge them all two grand a month to do this. Whatever, I just wanna help them change. And then I'm reading your book and it's like, that's what you're proposing. You're proposing we build a better relationship with our clients and we, change their lives and they'll pay us anything to subscribe to that and to be a part of that. So it's like, I'm proposing that we take our, you know, our 105 clients and really figure out who are the ones in there that we can really help other ones. They don't even need to leave. You know, we don't really need to upend the entire way we do business because everybody's on a somewhat subscription. We're just not changing their lives. They're just paying us monthly to do everything we're doing. And I feel like I want to have more impact on the people we can impact. So
0: I love it. I mean, that's great. And, and, um, you you know, this goes back to the leap versus the look, right? The crucial knowledge is going to come when you actually leap and make this change, whether you set up a new firm, spin out a new firm for, for, you know, the, the 20 of your customers that go to this new place. And maybe that cannibalizes completely the old firm. Might. that by the way is the most successful pivot and there's a chapter in the book on this it's towards the end, but the three models to move to subscription and the, the clear winner is when you set up a new firm. Because and that's what it, I have
1: it, to do anyway. Cause I'm part of a franchise and I am too tied uh, to that and I don't want to be, but I also have no choice. So uh, what I said is no. the only way I want to have more impact is if it's something that's mine. And this isn't my ego talking. This is just, sure. I, there's certain things I can and can't do. And I'm locked into that. So I feel like, like you said, like, you know, you got the Ruth's Chris and you got the McDonald's across the street, right? So that's what that's, that's going to turn into. And I feel like that's um, part of the evolution too. You said the word leap and I just recently read the big leap and it's a great book about transformation as individuals. And the end is about time, but he proposes Einstein time. Have you ever heard of that phrase? No, when so, I think
0: of time. I think of a constraint. Right, a constraint, exactly. Ultimately. Yeah,
1: it, This postulates, and Einstein talked about this, is you're fully in control of, of time. Nothing right. is coming on to you. Right, right. You are in control of time, and you can make time. Time doesn't make you. You're not a slave to it. You make your time, and then you have all the time in the world. And by changing your worldview on time and changing the way you look at it, it changes your entire life. It changes your mindset around being late for something, having to do something. It was, you know, and and, and that resonated with me more than anything because, you know, the, the fact that Einstein had been talking about that, nobody ever took this idea on though. Nobody ever ran with it because of all the other, and he uses another economist or somebody that really changed everybody's view on time. So I feel like you, you might love this book you might not like it at all, but you know, that's a, the I'll big leap, out. Gary, uh, something.
0: I, I think time is fascinating. It's one of those conundrums. Oh, I mean, it's a we, great, we, yeah, it, it, it is. It's 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 because it, it's completely relative too. um, yeah, but it, it's really, it's not the time we have. It's what we do with it. Right. I mean, people are always, Oh, I wish there was more hours in the day. No, there's, you know, it, it's time it, is a theory. Yeah, it's it and it's about the energy that you put into something or commit to something not the time that you spend I mean, that's why I think the concept of flow You know when you're in the flow moment they athletes get into this, you know on the basketball court or whatever When you're just doing something that you just love and you just look up at the clock and like nine hours has passed
1: so you're like I I love this flow. So i've been doing these raps this year. I, I did my ninth one recently, but every time I do them the time is escapes me nine hours. I've, I've worked on one for nine hours and it wow. felt like two minutes.
0: You, you know, I heard the one you just played. Maybe it was two shows ago, but it was yeah. brilliant.
1: I want to, I want to play the one I just did yesterday too. Maybe I'll do that at the end okay. to it, wrap it's, us but up.
0: Really? That's a quite a talent. Scott, super impressed. That's really talented.
1: It's something that I've, that was my passion and my purpose. Right. So it's something that I've, I've wanted to do this my whole life. And when i was in um, college that's i changed my major from accounting to communications so i could do screenwriting rapping like uh, directing like that's what i wanted to do it was like entertainment i was selling drugs at the same time too and then i also got arrested and that ended up going back into accounting and now i'm picking that back up again like doing that but for accounting right that's one of the raps I say that can't leave accountant alone the game needs me because that's what Jay-Z said can't leave rap alone the game needs me so it's like I'm merging my love for that and this together and I feel like it's it's resonating people are getting it like at first you're like what are you gonna do you're gonna rap for accountants like what right right and then I inspired Nicole to do that rap that she did on LinkedIn yep and I'm Remember finding that. that, like, at least once a week or every other week, somebody's sending me a rap that they did or something that they did. That's delicious to see, inspire somebody else. Else. That's, yes. I never knew what that feeling was.
0: Wow. That's so cool. The- I, you know, accountant rapper, there's a guy um, by the name of David White, W H Y T E. He calls himself a corporate poet. He teaches poetry to corporations and i don't think there's a more masterful person with words than david white he is such a beautiful writer um, i got to have him on he's he's i've never been able to get him i have tried to get him uh, you might be able to get him uh, I'll, I, I'll make a rap for him and we'll see david white it you can follow him on facebook or whatever but uh, it, pick up a couple of his books he is just amazing love the guy and he's a corporate poet so there's lots of room for that. I'll tell you one of my dreams, and it might come to fruition. I, I can't say more than that. But ever since Verisage was founded and ever since we found Greg Kite, and you, you know Greg Kite. Oh, I'm yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, Greg's another yeah, ins-
1: huge inspiration for me. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, Greg Kite is my hero. People want to know about me personally, there's my hero, Greg Kite. And I'll tell you the story of why. But I'll say this first ever since we brought in that comedian, cause he pokes fun at us too. It's not his job. Well, he should fund at our everybody, but he he makes fun of us, which is fantastic. But I've always wanted to do a movie about just, you know, life in an accounting firm and how stupid, not kind of, not the office, but just the whole ridiculousness of the billable hour and lying on the timesheet. And, and just the stupid ways that, you know, we focus on efficiency and, and all of that. And Greg did some early videos that were just hilarious. And I said, Greg, we need to do a movie. So we, we are going to do a movie.
1: It's, uh, Accounting High is going to be a movie. Is it? Yeah. I, I think you're, that would you're be, in
0: be it. awesome. I think that, well, I don't want to be You've already been it. cast in it. Yes. I, I, you're going to help want, with it. You're going to help with I it. I want actors. I want I want people, and, and Greg is a good writer, but he's also, he can act pretty well. Yeah. I want, and I just want to mock. I, wanna, I just want to mock. Well, you I can want, have an actor play you.
1: What actor would play but, you? Well, in yeah, this movie,
0: good, yeah, I don't know.
1: Um, I I have but, some ideas.
0: Okay, and Ed Kluss needs to be in it because Ed yeah. Knack. Too. I
1: think Jeff Goldblum could play you. Why Jeff don't Goldblum. I know that name? Jeff Goldblum. He was he was the um wasn't he in Jurassic Park? He was the scientist in Jurassic Park. Okay, I, I never saw Jurassic Park. Oh, <sighs> Okay, Man. Jeff Goldblum. Um, he's been in a lot of stuff. Okay, maybe maybe we'll, okay. we'll think of somebody else. But um, um,
0: but anyway, I I would love to, and I would love to like premiere that at like opening to QBC and zero con and just all the big conferences, you know, play a 30 minute, maybe 50 minute at the most 45 minute movie that just, it, I want, I want it to be South park. I think yeah. South park guys are genius genius because they mock and they, they, and I mean, with incredible intelligence and perceiving. Those guys are super yeah. smart. I mean, one of their dads is like a PhD in economics at the university of Boulder. So they, they've always got an economic angle on anything they attack and they attack everything. And that's what I want to do with making fun of the business model. I love and, that. And Greg actually started to write a script and he's actually got a story arc that goes through it. So he's starting to relook at that, but yeah, I, well, what we, we
1: need is we need the right app to fund it. And I think yes. I've already, I've already been, I've already been on that and I've already got my gears turning. Cause it's going to take, you know, 4 million, three or 4 million to do something really good. And right, so, and right. that's that's what's already been happening with Flowcast. They created their studio. They've got PBC, and they're doing it. Right, right, and they're that's doing amazing it. what they're doing. Right. It, and yes, the guy that they hired is. as the producer, he was rapping for accountants too. He called himself the Rapping CPA, Drew Carrick. And we had him on the show too. And that's it, that's the start of this because they put I don't know how much millions of dollars of their budget into a studio without anything in return Turn. they don't know what they're going to get out of this they're just right. doing it blindly and i love that i think it's amazing I do too. they've got some I do too. great I, actors in there they're doing it like they yeah. and that's how you penetrate the bigger firms that's how you penetrate the big 4 through entertainment and entertaining the younger generation that and spoofing what's happening inside of it and that's exactly what they're doing just check out pbc that's um, yeah, it's on yeah. youtube
0: no I, I i've looked at that it is it is very clever you know, George Orwell said every joke is a tiny revolution. And I you know, not that humor can transcend everything, but it can do a lot. Because oh, all humor, God. all humor is critical, as John Cleese loves to say. All humor's critical. That's why wokeness and PC is so damaging to comedians, because they need to they need to be able to yeah, criticize like everything has- and everything. You know, there's no you know, people say, Oh, you can't punch down, you, you only can punch up Bulls, Comedians punch back. Yes. That that's their job. They punch back and we need, we need more laughter. And, um, and
1: so that's, that's, that's so great. You, you said this because this is, this is my purpose in this whole, um, it, it, that's how I figured it out this year was my purpose is bring, to bring this fun back, to bring the humor into, into everything that we're doing, because that's the only way you can really attack something is through jokes. You know, like that's, that's the way you can really, because if, if you do it with hate and you do it with, spite you're going to get fire back but if you do it with jokes you're going to get laughter back because they know it's true it's like the time you you
0: disarm everybody
1: it's the time it's time yeah it's exactly what it is and so i was going to bring up what chappelle is doing with podcasts because that's a subscription that i've subscribed to there's this luminary um subscription that i have on my apple i was just reviewing my subscriptions before we came on and i was just jotting some of them down because i wanted to bring them up what they're doing is changing the face of what you can get out of a podcast too. So he grouped with um, two rappers, Black Star, Most Def and Talib Quali, and the three of them have a podcast. And they, Most Def and Talib Kweli, they came out with Black Star an album. They just made a new album and they only released it on this podcast feed. So if you're a subscriber, wow. that's a plus right you're there. If right, you're a subscriber, right? you can hear the full album as one episode in the podcast, and it's like thirty dollars a year. They come out with maybe six episodes a year. That's it. And they changing they're changing the face of what basically how you can think. And so it's it's everything you would imagine, all unfiltered. Nobody's they don't have to answer to anybody. Yeah. It's complete okay. freedom, complete creative freedom.
0: I love it. I, 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 Dave Chappelle's a genius. Yes. Yeah. Love him.
1: And and that's he's dealing with all the woke stuff too, but he's dealing with it the best possible way. He just oh. won the Mark Twain prize and he he's the comedian of a generation
0: he is. will he will survive but I'm worried about some of the lesser comedians that might not that get shut shut down and shut out because of it
1: yeah it's just so cool the way all, all this this circles back to like that was a big inspiration for me too when I saw Greg Kite at one of the zero cons there are some apps with the right leadership that are also changing the face of our industry like carbon is one of them you know they they ask right, the right questions right. they put out the right content they're like the apple of my eye when I look at right, the right. way Apple was run and the way Carbon's is run. And there's others too. Zero changed the whole community aspect of yeah. this, and
0: they're building. zero's a cult. Zero is Zero, a cult, and I love it. They're like Apple. They're cult. Their their customers are cultish. and For sure, well, that's where culture comes from. Cult. Culture. Um, culture. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I love companies that have cults. Cult following. For sure.
1: Yeah. You know, you're getting authenticity from a lot of these companies because they do want to help and you're subscribing to them. SaaS is the subscription model. That's, I've always predisposed to all this because my parents have a SaaS company, Absolutely. but onto like the app conversation, that's where the money is to fund one of these, um, one of these movies right. or shows. And, and,
0: and, and we need to talk done. more about this. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause well, I, 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 I would, I would love to call, co- collaborate between Blake and Greg
1: and I think there's a there's a a handful of people in our profession now within our reach that we can all put something together whether it's actors and it's gonna be dope I mean that's what I did in school is is I was I was gonna write screenplays and write movies and I I like the ensemble idea of having a group a cast of people that anybody can relate to and that's that's the whole like um, that's the office right that's right, right. Downton right, Abbey. Yep. That's the office. It's, right, um, right. it's game of Thrones. It's all of Hell those South
0: park. I mean, even their characters South park, are for trick, sure. unbelievably relatable.
1: Rick and Morty. I don't know if you've ever seen that. That's <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's uh it, all of these have been inspiration for me for what I'm doing here too. Like, so I look to, I look to what I, where I really connect with and then try to bridge that into this. I
0: yeah. have a quote in the book and I'm not going to be able to find it because I forget who said it. It's one of the guys from base camp. I think, um, Jason Fried, Yeah, Fried. He said, good companies have customers. Great companies have fans. He said, but you're really privileged when you have an audience. Because in those other examples, you have to pay them for their attention. And an audience gives you freely up their attention, whether it's listening to your podcast every week or a radio show. Every day or, you know, I I read George Carlin's autobiography and he talked about Mm, he'd come into a town. He'd come into a town where he was performing and a couple hours uh, ahead of time, you know, getting to the venue and there was a traffic jam. And he had his driver pull off one time and he just sat there and he looked at all these cars turning into the venue sparking. And he says, my God, they're here for me. All of these people have created this huge traffic jam and they're all here for me and having an audience where, you know, if we're gonna measure time, we should measure how much time we're saving the customer and how much time they're spending with us because that's what's important. And I just, I love the idea of an audience over customer.
1: Give me goosebumps there. That's that. So what you do really effectively well, you and Paul, is you do things in threes. Where you, when you're talking about phases, you talk about transformation, a lot of, a lot of the themes in there, you bridge it with the, just, just like that quote you just gave me. There's all these um, charts in there and are ways of explaining Paul's a
0: genius with that, by the way, he loves alliteration,
1: alliteration in threes. So I, yep. I can relate to that. So Paul's chapters are related to so much because it's speaking to everything that I've been reading or learning or doing my whole life. Like. Need, I, I, I want to ask him about colors too because this is right, my rap right. name's little toddler because it's the colors numbers letters and all the little things that people don't pay attention to but that matter so much the alliteration the way he did his weeks Monday something mm-hmm. Tuesday mm-hmm. focus Fridays like right 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 all like we have together days that our tea days is what we call them um and and like you know there's I've always done stuff like that because it's at our basic our core level we're all toddlers we're all kids that want attention that want like and so just kind of hearing, um, the, the way seeing the, his style and writing too, like I, when I'm reading yours, it's like it's you're speaking on a pulpit, like you're um, you're preaching, right? With his, he's he's got a craft about the writing too, and and the it way does. that he's um, bringing it, these is, ideas in.
0: This is why working with Paul was such a challenge, even when we wrote the Firm of the Future, because. We write differently. He writes yeah. in the active voice and I deliberately, so here's something personal. I deliberately write in the passive voice deliberately. People say, Oh no, you're not supposed you're supposed to write emails and all business Do writing. Do whatever the hell you I, want. <laughs> I've, I've, I've heard it my whole life. No, you need to write in the active voice, Ron. You can't keep writing this. Pa- William Buckley spent his life writing in the passive voice.
1: There are all he the rules okay. to writing.
0: He, he did. Okay. Um, Yeah, so I realize my stuff might be a little bit more turgid than Paul's and a little bit drier. I hope not, but he's a lively writer and he's a great presenter. So yeah, his his I you know the thing that struck me in his chapters well, lots of things did, but when he when he quoted the gal and I forget the book's name, but he loves the book uh, and I haven't read it yet, but she said something like nature doesn't look for problems, it looks for potential. Yeah, I I highlighted and, and that one. I love that. It, this yeah. goes back to the whole if all we're doing is solving problems, we're just reverting people back to the status quo, we're not advancing them. And the goal of this profession should be to advance the customers we're privileged to serve. So, but, but just, just going back to the audience idea, I think if you whoever puts out this movie it's it's gonna create an uh, unbelievable. Well, it's bugs. not
1: this movie. It's one of the movies. We're we're gonna what, put one it, of them out. Yeah, yeah other people yeah. are gonna do it too. Whether sure, they sure. do it before or after, like it's just a matter of executing it and getting getting there. Okay, so um,
0: at the risk of embarrassing Greg Kaida, I will tell you why he's my hero. Yeah. Um, and and now I don't care because I just tell the story. I used to hide all the names, but a guy made a video out of the UK. His name is Gordon Kilchrist. You might see him at conferences. He's a UK consultant with the 2020 group, and he did it on value pricing. He did a two-part video on YouTube, and I think there were about seven minutes each, and he's standing in front of a whiteboard, and value pricing is written on it, and he discusses the six tenants, I think it was, or seven tenants of value pricing. And it was, comp- I was off watching it. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, how am I going to refute this guy? I'm going to have to tear down every point brick by brick by brick by brick by brick. I can't believe he's still spouting this nonsense and I said, "Wait a minute. We have Greg Kite. I don't need to do anything. I just need to send these videos to Kite and go Kite do a parody." And so <laughs> Kite sends me this parody video and he's dressed just like the guy, same, you know, same suit type and he's got a whiteboard behind him with value pricing written on it, but he never touches it throughout the parody. The other guy wrote all over it and flip Greg never touches it and Greg only does six things six tenants, but he says seven. Um, and it, it's a brilliant parody. Now, the guy's British. And I said, Greg, I love this parody. It's friggin' hilarious. I said, but but Greg, I said, I'm a huge fan of Money Python and Benny Hill. This guy's English. You gotta do it in drag. Oh, hell yeah. And door, Greg Kite did untalked. it. He did it in drag. He, he found, like, a bridesmaid dress that his wife at the time wore, and he put that on he had a string of pearls. He had the you know the screwed up British teeth. Absolutely friggin'! Ho- I, I just watched it the other week because I was telling a guy about it, and and I had to go back and watch it. And oh my God, it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And it's, it's this, this is the kind of thing we need to be doing.
1: And and you directed that in a way. I
0: didn't. You he did. did. Well, he, you did because you had the creative input.
1: I know, but that's what I, a direct the the best director. So the best producers are Rick Rubin. You know the the ones that you don't even know what they're doing. They're just they're just in the room. And Rick Rubin's produced some of the best albums I've ever consumed. And they just have that one little input. Like when you said you got to do it in drag, that's what put it over the edge, right? Like that's, that's your input. And that's all it, you needed. You didn't write the script. You didn't do any of that. You just produced. Maybe not a director. It, you're the producer of I, this movie. I'll,
0: I'll have to show it to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you got the... It, it, Greg wouldn't let us, but he took it down from his website. I don't think it, you know. But why? It's a, I said, said, Greg, this is so. The funniest thing you've ever done.
1: That's, parodies. That's all I do. in In my nine nine raps are songs that are very recognizable to my generation. To anybody, really. I mean, like, I'm um, the one I'm going to play, and I'll probably play it re- pretty soon here, is Wu Tang's most popular song, right? Like, um, I I and I exact parody it take the same rhyme schemes and everything, but I just change it and make it relatable for an accountant. So my first one was CP aliens. And I think you heard that one. Mm. And that was, Mm. I took outcasts, AT aliens, and I changed it to CP aliens. And there's a lot of metaphors in that alien aspect of it. And, you know, I'm not even a CPA. I'm the son of a CPA, right? or grandson of a CPA. And, um, and so like the parody aspect of it makes it relatable and makes it digestible and easy to go down. You know, when you're trying to tell a story, the best, rappers, poets, directors, they're, they're all storytellers. Right. And Paul says the most powerful people in the world are storytellers. So you take that story and then make it relatable to the person listening. And that person listening is the accountant, right? That's basically, you know, that's what Greg's doing. That's what the best storytellers make something that's recognizable and then make it relatable to that audience and speak to them. So, all right. and i learn it, but cool. b- what really hit me right when I opened this book was I was going to call our episode story times up or something, make, call it story time. And I want the, it to be a series of stories. Right. And then I start reading the book and the second chapter is on stories is storytelling. <laughs> like the that was so perfect. I didn't know I was walking into that. And then he's talking about purpose and Simon Sinek. And I just did that episode on Simon Sinek. So it's like, I felt like this was written for me, right? You made it. You both made it so relatable to the times. You're quoting people that I just saw last week, like Ryan Lozannis and Blake wrote the forward. Like this is, it's all like very timely. And the delivery of this book is timely, and it's it's unique too. The way that you guys have your st- different styles and bridge all of it, but it's just to me personally, it spoke to me in so many levels because I just did a big episode on purpose and. That's the th- central theme in all of Paul's chapters. It is is, is yeah. your purpose, and so your legacy. And, yeah, and there's so many. You know, there, there's so much to go into that, and there's so many different ways to talk about it. But everybody, you know, you and him have your unique styles that you both fuse together in that one book. So I'm going to fuse the Wu Tang and me. This
0: is the one I just worked on. Being part of your audience now, so that's cool. Exactly,
1: and I got to be careful about the parody stuff too, because I'm taking original like I'm taking remakes of the original beats mm. and so this is a direct parody of cream by the wu-tang you may have heard it you may not have and this is an ad too so what I'm doing oh, is okay. this is these this is how people will listen to my ads because they're entertaining right so right, this right. is an ad for appstream friend of mine um growth lab they they create you'll you'll hear what they do in a minute let's go this is their debut
2: simple tasks, simple tasks rule everything around me, simple tasks rule everything around me, AppStream for accounting, powered by the Growth Lab, I grew up with dial up and write up, manual entry in a ledger with a 10 key, and to high speeds, new Countless technologies Allowed to move up To the cloud with ease A young noob was proud That I found new ground Find ruin pride that went upside down Cleaning a mess was no fun Fixing up this one and that one Disconnect apps that don't run But this was just a dream For the team at the app stream. Automating simple task accounting And running up our margins Doing it with carbon Making more client time for charging No question Trade high speeds For synced apps indeed The combination made my mind free no question automated workflow is fully hosted. Solving pain points and file storage. onboarding and forever better. No damn human error. More client time means more cheddar. Trigger connections in your account. So get with the Growth Lab. Click and go all out. Connecting teams from cross seas. Automating these app streams. Seize opportunities. Eliminate save time. It's like Amazon Prime. Pick a cow. Automate now. Simple tasks rule everything around me. App stream for accounting. Powered by the Growth Lab. Simple Task rule everything around me App stream for accounting Powered by the Growth Lab It's been 12 long hard years And I'm still hustling Despite the juggling Headcount doubling Reshuffling Struggling Time spent only growing top line With no regard for the team state of mind A pandemic hit dude Exposing systemic issues So academics I pursued Converged my passion with my purpose Problems resurfaced Stopped doing what didn't serve us Got nervous on a mission So we made an app purpose a new addition, omission, erase tradition, that's when I found ignition. Now race, transition, outpace competition, automating proposals and receiving payments. All adjacent apps are fully integrated, frustrated, it's so damn complicated. Educated me on this and that, Jason, Stats, Davis, Chad just pitched us Integra, And now I'm automating with the greatness of make creating space so i imitate rappers making me happier i couldn't have done it without zapier faster and scrappier i dream of new things renew esteem. steam then i cream my jeans when i found the supreme team at appstream automating simple tasks now let's get you up to speed initiate a bill pay you'll see you take attached pdf from gmail extract with the text recognition in 2g sheets then export it in beam create a jetpack task from slack and then back or a dial pad text fetched and batched as a carbon task and that's real elimination of a manual conversation take information from hubspot to dropbox to ignition it's a new sensation only cost 1800 per integration for all your custom workflow automations simple task rule everything around me app stream for accounting powered by the growth simple test rule everything around me app stream for accounting powered by the growth lab simple test rule everything around me app stream for accounting powered by the growth lab simple test rule everything around me app stream for accounting powered by the growth lab simple task rule everything around me app stream for accounting powered by the growth lab simple test rule everything around me app stream for accounting powered by the growth lab simple test rule everything around me app stream Powered by the Growth Lab. Simple tasks rule everything around me. AppStream for accounting. Powered by the Growth Lab. Simple tasks rule everything around me. AppStream for accounting. Powered by the Growth Lab. Simple tasks.
0: Wow. That That's took, impressive. Took me a lot
1: of time time i didn't track my time on there but yeah man
0: that's really how long was that four minutes four minutes
1: but it's it's relevant to like to this conversation too because they got a service now to get the firm owner out of keeping all these apps connected and creating all the automations and all these simple tasks the ditch digging of accounting the thing the stuff that we're stuck the cpas are stuck doing doing this accounting firm has created this other service using the tools that we already have at hand and they make custom integrations. So they t- they did a couple for my firm and I wanted to do this wrap form so I can run it as an ad on the show. So anybody that wants to check it out, it's AppStream powered by the Growth Lab.
0: That's cool. Wow. <laughs>
1: Stay tuned. Here are some clips for the next time we're in the principal's office with Ron Baker. It's
0: like you always say, no, this is about a discussion. It's hopefully a clash of ideas. You know, we can clash ideas, ideas, have sex, all that. But it, it just, I, there's I like that one. I'm going to,
1: I'm going to expand on that one uh, another it, time. It, I like it, yeah, that
0: idea, ideas, having sex. That's another really, important and then
1: having thing. offspring too. I could, yeah, uh, we could yeah, keep exactly. going there. That's, yep. that's the new hybrid babies. That's so dope. And everything Sounds I unique
0: s- it, it, You got there a you go. unique skill there. Big
1: yeah, I don't time. like to all I'm doing is taking one and I'm, I'm putting a puzzle together, right? I'm taking copy from one place and I'm taking a rap from another place and I'm just fusing it together and making a new baby, right? I'm I'm having them right, have right. sex. I, I want to start doing solo episodes. That scares the hell out of me. I'm gonna run it like a routine, sort of like stand up, but I'll probably hybrid the raps in there. I'm gonna call it Scott Scarano stories, but I'm gonna call it S three
2: X. Like S three X. Yep, yep. yep. And then S3X looks like sex.